Sloan and welcome to That Black Ass Show, a podcast celebrating the Black TV shows, movies, plays, and all types of Black content that have and continue to shape the world. This week, we're dedicating an episode to the work of actor, comedian, writer, producer, and director Robert Townsend. If you don't know Robert Townsend, he is the brilliant mind behind some of Black cinema's classics like The Five Heartbeats, Hollywood Shuffle, Meteor Man, Baps, the WB sitcom The Parenthood, and so much more. Today's guest is comedian, writer, actor, and my big brother, Baron Vaughn. While Baron is booked and busy in so many projects, you can currently catch him as a series regular on the Netflix show Grace and Frankie, playing the role of Bud, and co-host of The New Negroes on Comedy Central. He also hosts The Great Debate on Sci-Fi Wire, and check out his documentary called Fabulous, which can be found on Amazon Prime. All right, let's start the show. Why did you yes. want to talk about Robert Townsend? Well, you know, Robert Townsend has always been one of my favorite creative minds. Um, essentially my entire life uh, up until now, I've always respected him, respected his work and, and looked to him as an example. It always felt, um, you know, and people will feel different ways about what I'm saying right now, but always felt that he didn't get his due. And that he didn't get enough credit mm. and um, and enough recognition for a lot of the things that he brought to the table, not only as a, a comedian and a filmmaker, but also as a, you know, a producer of someone who held up other people, you know, and that's right. that was a big thing for me. You know, um, you know, you had the I had the fortune of having you on New Negroes, yeah. the the Comedy Central stand up show, which is no more. But so um, Robert Townsend's Partners in Crime was a big uh, reason I wanted to even do something like that, because when I was young, that was probably my first exposure to him with these these HBO specials that he did, Partners in Crime. Mm. And it was like stand up, but there was also sketches and there was also music. It was sort of I always look at it as like a precursor to In Living Color, Mm. because when you see the sketches like the Wayneses are in it, John Witherspoon's in it. And that's the other thing there's this connection of generations right? because you'll see, you'll see Marlon Wayans, but then you'll also see Paul Mooney, you know, in the same place. Right. And, and Robert Towns is in between. So he was always bridging these generations, putting like on the, your episode of new Negroes, it was you, Yasser Lester and George Wallace. Right. You know, coincidentally, you're all from Georgia. You know, you're all right. like co- coincidentally, but you're all different generations, you know, like you and Yasser came up in different scenes. George Wallace has been around, but it's kind of like, I wanted to put people who have come up in different ways in in one place. And that's what Robert Townsend always did. And that's what he did with his movies. So it's kind of like, I feel like he's getting a lot more play these Mm -hmm. days. I think, you know, we're at a place, um, at least with with, um, black creativity, you know, um, where people are kind of looking back to yeah. people that were ahead of the curve. And Robert Townsend's one of the people, you know, and people like me, you know, I know Lena Waithe is super in the Robert Townsend. Um, uh, the homie Diallo Riddle was talking about Robert Townsend, you know, as an influence for Sherman's showcase and stuff like that. So mm. it's kind of like, there's a lot of, a lot of people who were influenced by him that are now like making moves. So it's kind of like, we get to kind of go like, yeah, but Robert Townsend is like a big influence. 
Netflix. And I'm happy that he's getting, uh, you know, more recognition. Cause like his work so I just want to, I want to add to that. That's all. Yeah. Cause it's like, when you said Robert Townsend, I was like, I was like, oh man, that's so much. But like, cause like when his, his work is expansive. Cause you picked, mm-hmm. um, Hollywood Shuffle, Meteor Man, yes. and The Five Heartbeats. Yes. Why did you pick those movies in particular? Well, these were the first, these are his first three films, as far as I know, um, or his first three big films, I should say. Hollywood Shuffle's his first feature. Mm. So Hollywood Shuffle is sort of like, to me, it's the beginning of, of a movement. I think that someone like Robert Townsend and Spike Lee were nexus points. Like, it's sort of like there was a stagnation in what was going on in um, black comedy, I guess you could say, Uh, which always happens because, you know, something becomes, that's true. Somebody or something becomes really popular and then they, you know, run it into the ground um, to the point that it becomes oppressive to other creatives. And then they have to make their own thing, which is exactly what Hollywood Shuffle's about. It's about the expectations of being a black actor. It's about the images that get put out out there, you know, and the kinds of work, like back then Robert Townsend was going out for all these, you know, late stage black exploitation films that were not even written and directed by black people. Like they were right. just like, you know, it was like pimp number three, you know, slick dick Willie and stuff like that. And he right. was going out for that stuff. And he's like, is this what I want to do? And mm-hmm. so Hollywood shuffle is, is born of that. You know what I mean? So, and then Spike Lee put out, um, she's got to have it in 86, I think it was. And uh, less than a year later in 87, Hollywood Shuffle comes out. So it's kind of like Spike and I always look at Robert Townsend and Spike Lee like as two sides of a coin. Like they're both independent filmmakers with very different perspectives, both responding to everything that was put on their shoulders before they got there, like like what people expect them to be, but also wanting to, they also both wanted to be true to themselves and the people that they knew. So that's why they created interesting things. That's an example that I think we can all live by. And Five Heartbeats and Meteor Man are expansions of Robert Townsend, you know, not only exploring different genres Mm -hmm. and different styles and stories, but also like being a little ahead of his time and what kinds of stories people were gonna wanna hear about. Like he, he made some of these movies like Five Heartbeats and Meteor Man before those that type of movie was popular, right. you could even say. Like Meteor Man was like still at the beginning of the first wave of like superhero films. Like it wasn't like an industry that owns everything like today. Right, you like know, all so, of Marvel owns everything and owns all your, yes. you know, any t-shirts, cupcakes, pencil sets, like it's everything. Exactly. Uh, you know, backpacks, shoes, ventilators, like you got, <laughs> you got, you got the defibrillators, like you know, dialysis machines. Like, exactly. I, I mean, I know that I would want a Captain America dialysis machine. I mean, if it came <laughs> down to it, come on, you know, we're, we're all a little Iron Man when it comes to the heart, <laughs> uh, comes to shards in our heart. But yeah, so like Robert Townsend is just somebody that um, inspires me to find my own way and to find my own voice, which I think is an example that all of us can can learn from. Yeah, because it's like, I um, it's interesting because like going back and doing this podcast when you look, because it's like people 
always talk about like Spike Lee and they talk about John Singleton, but I don't think mm-hmm. they ever really include Robert Townsend in that conversation. Right. And when it right. comes to like the material, like John Singleton, his stuff was really heavy. Yes. And it was really like, it, it was very specific. Raw. Right. It was like raw and heavy and it was giving you very much what was going on in LA. And then mm-hmm. Spike Lee was again, raw and heavy and it was giving, and giving it was you what was happening in Brooklyn. Right. And then Robert Townsend was like, y'all just want to laugh at something? We can laugh at something. <laughs> yeah. Let's just have a good time. And I think like it's interesting because they kind of, and I think because they're like, you know, it was, because people always talk about like some people make films and some people make movies. Um, mm. I think a lot of times that when they talk about like Spike Lee and like John Singleton, those were considered like film. Right. Yes. And Robert Towns like, ah, he's making these movies. Cause like I was watching Hollywood Shuffle, and I think one of my favorite moments in it was the mm-hmm. uh, spoof on the Siskel and Ebert, like them sneaking into the movies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then I, cause I love a, uh, I love a detective movie. I love a murder mystery. So him playing that detective, right? I thought was great. But what were some of your favorite moments from Hollywood Shuffle? Yeah, I mean, both of those both of those bits are great, and uh, that's what. And, and again, Hollywood Shuffle is very, you know, very much an indie film, mm-hmm. you know, in which he's playing with form. I mean, it's it's a bunch of sketches, you yeah. know, and it's it's kind of it's still like around the narrative of this guy trying to find himself, trying to find out what work he wants to do, and ultimately, in the end, it's there's that whole message about the post office, you know, about there's, there's jokes, but there's still an earnestness about like, you know, believe in what you do, you know, take pride in what you do seriously is there. One of my favorite sketches. Um, it's definitely that, that noir sketch, the kind of the black and white, mm-hmm. um, because Keenan Ivory Waynes plays that character, the dude with the J- Jerry curl. Yeah. He plays Jerry curl. And that there's the scene, because I think Damon is the, like his kind of henchman, uh, there's the scene where he's dancing and he's like, he's like finally dancing and like doing his hair and the Jerry curl juice is just going everywhere. It's, his hair had to be so wet before that scene. It had to be so wet and it's so funny. And the dudes are like, oh, Jerry. And they're like, getting caught in the <laughs> Jerry eye. Curl juice, the eye. Jerry curl juice. And they're trying to act like it's not happening. They're like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Everything. Uh, no, 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 no. We're supportive. And then to get information out the man, he has to steal yes. his activator. And then, and then his hair shrinks. Right. Which it's I perfect. Think, which I think is, uh, first of all, the Jerry Crow was a very good, hi, baby. I, I think you play a bubble. You can play with bubbles? <laughs> I'm so excited about this. A, a diamond. Well, there's a little, there's a little uh, cameo from the oldest yeah, son, baby. Savion, right there. He's hi, got a baby. Little, a little bubble maker. All the babies are coming in here. Thank you. Hey, baby. My There's mom has to blanket a blanket for the new baby. Yes, you do. He loves the blanket. Uh, Savion loves the blanket. That My you mom, gave us. she killed he it. He refuses to sleep with any other blanket. She'll be so happy to hear that. I've always been meaning to tell you that like that's his favorite blanket. I have to tell her. That's why she made it so soft. Because when we gave um, my cousin, his little boy, Luca, we gave him the blanket. And um, my cousin's wife was showing the baby the blanket. And he rubbed the blanket and then rubbed his cheek and he went, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? 
I approve of this. So let's pass the test. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fuck with this heavy. Um, Thumbs up from this inspector. <laughs> as the inspector uh, of this blanket, and as a current baby, I must tell you, this, mwah, love it. Yeah. Three bottles, five bottles. I'm going to go, go <laughs> get the five bottles up. Um, I do bottles. love the NAACP protest. was great with Paul Mooney out front. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, and that's the thing is that there's such, there's goofiness, but everything that they talk about is always, there's always something real about it, you know? So it's still always, it's born from something very simple. Like yeah. every single sketch is very simple, but also I love the the little story with his family, you know, mm. with his, and just like how much he cares about them and he cares about what they think about what he does. He wants them to be proud of him, you know, and that's, that's, that's also just like a nice little kind of nugget to have. Because when he sees the, the little, like when he sees his little brother playing a pimp, you see the brother yes. emulates him. Like they have on the yes. same pajamas, and when he's on the phone, the little boy is making the same motions as him. So it's yes. obviously he has a lot of respect for his brother because it's his big brother. And he's like, oh, if I start playing these roles, then my little brother's going to act like me. Yes, it's a, it's, and that's the thing. That's why Hollywood Shuffle still stands up. Like all the messages that he was examining are still relevant to this day. You know, I mean, that whole, the Eddie Murphy-esque thing with all the actors that are, I've been, you yeah, know, I we've all, that. any black person in Hollywood for the last 50 years is being compared to the most visible, famous person, you know, that kind of looks like, but like, there's more than Eddie Murphy, you know, well, at least at the time. But like, that's the thing is that like, he became so big you know, that he took up all that real estate and it changes every couple of decades. You know, it was prior before that. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was uh, Chappelle and Chris Rock. And, you know, after that, Kevin Hart, you know, Tiffany Haddish. And that's not to say anything disparaging about any of these people. It's just to be like, look, there's not one way to be, you know what I mean? Like right. cast people or work with people because you want what they do, not because they could do what somebody else does. Right. And then before that, it's like, we need a young Cab Calloway. You're like, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a hair we, need, we need a, a younger Cab Calloway. <laughs> Rickshaw Calloway. <laughs> just a little smaller. Get it? Okay. I'm done. That's so stupid. That's so you know, because it's the thing, because it's just like, you know, we're looking for another Sidney Poitier. We're looking for, you know, another uh -huh. Harry Belafonte. And then... One of, and then someone else gets big. And now we're looking for Eddie Murphy type. And it was interesting because I uh, had um, I interviewed Ashley Nicole Black about um, mm -hmm. Black Lady Sketch Show and Scandal. And she was saying that a friend had texted her. She'd gone to an interview. Um, she'd been going to an audition. And on the character breakdown, it said an Ashley Nicole Black type. Hmm. But they didn't call her in to audition for the, her own type. Right. And I was like, oh, girl, that means they can't afford you. That's what that means. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what that means. She was like, oh, man, now I'm something that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But they didn't even call. You could have just cast Ash and Nicole Black. And this becomes the other reason that I like Robert Townsend, right? Is because in all of these movies, the casts that he has are incredible. He's surrounded by a great group of actors, some people that are legends right. and some people that are new. And, and you see all of these different kinds of people rubbing against each other. 
you know, because it's not like you're, it's not like the one or two black people in the movie. It's like the movie is all black people. Right. So it's, it's all kinds of people, all kinds of people at once being represented. So and that way he, he opens up like, you know, like obviously like it's not about types. It's about like what your essence is and, and how you fit in the story. Right. Cause what I was, cause what I noticed watching the movies was that, uh, mm-hmm. He used a lot of the same actors mm-hmm. in all three movies. Yes. So it's Keenan Ivory Raven, Keenan Ivory uh, Wayans, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. I can say that man's name was okay. In, I was I was scared for five seconds. Thank you so much. Was in um, you know he was he wasn't in Five Heartbeats and he wasn't in Meteor Man. He was only in uh, Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle. So that was a bad example. Uh, Which Roy he also has a co-writing credit on. Right. So he was involved with all the movies. And mm-hmm. then Roy Fegan, who yes. was Simon, in uh, who was the chief of the Golden Lords. He was... Uh, What's his name? Simon in Meteor Man? Mm-hmm. Good God. He's a blonde, he's a blonde black man, just like... Uh, just like uh, What's his name? Wesley Snipes mm-hmm. in uh, Demolition Man. He was named That's Simon, right. too? Yes, it was. Simon Says. That was his whole thing. Yes, you're right. You're, in the I, '90s, blonde black men were here to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> and, Step away from Cisco; he's gonna mur- try to murder you. <laughs> but he was, you know, and he was also, uh, you know, and also a light, light-skinned, light-eyed brother in that time period was also an enemy to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was in all three of the movies. He was in Five Heartbeats. Yeah, he was in. And five he was in mm-hmm. Hollywood Shuffle. So he was burned. And you have John Witherspoon, may he rest in pieces in a bunch of these movies. Yeah, so Roy Fegan, he was buried in the Five Heartbeats. He was uh, Jesse Wilson, Slave Number Two, and Zombie in Hollywood Shuffle. And he was yes. Simon in the Golden Lords. And then John Witherspoon was in the Five Heartbeats and then the Boss mm-hmm. on Hollywood Shuffle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anne Marie Johnson was Lydia in Hollywood yes. Shuffle, the girlfriend. And then Sid Todd in Five Heartbeats. And she wasn't in Meteor Man. But what I thought about what I thought was interesting about Meteor Man is that mm-hmm. Bill Cosby was in it and didn't say a single word. <laughs> he does not say a single word. Yeah, he's and like a weird mute, but then at the same time can still talk to dogs. But that's a that's a twist. That's a spoiler. Right. But I was just like, what kind of like what did Robert Townsend have on Bill Cosby for him to be like you're going to be in this movie and say nothing cuz you don't Wait, realize it's Bill shit. Cosby almost to the end of the movie. That's true. That's very true. Um who the hell knows, man? I mean, that whole the whole Bill Cosby thing is just like a stain. I mean, a giant stain, a tumor on decades worth of great material <laughs> yeah i was talking to sam j about uh the you know i interviewed sam j uh yesterday actually so the day mm-hmm. before i recorded this with you and we were talking about the cosby show and we didn't mention it you know we're like we just want to focus on the show itself but mm-hmm. it's with you know that did tarnish his career and you know and i said do you think it would mess with the legacy and she's just like that's something that everyone has to think about individually Yes, absolutely. I don't think there's a there's a one size fits all answer to how to deal with or process what happened. Because right. the thing is that Bill Cosby is probably the most co- influential comedian of all time. 
you know, there's an argument to be made that he is the most influential. Like that there's no comedian that has been more copied or listened to mm-hmm. or inspired more people to become stand-ups right. than, than Bill Cosby. That There's an argument to be made for that. But, and so his contribution can't be erased, you know? Uh, and that gets in that whole art versus artist debate that, you know, nobody can agree on, of course. Uh, right. But it's like, you know, he was a giant, you know? Um, that's another thing that, that bothers me about it because it's kind of like, I didn't, I was unaware of all that stuff until it started to become news, but a lot of people were aware of it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just the people who had been, you know, uh, attacked, um, but people who enabled it, people who, you know, just turned the other cheek. And it's hard to say because obviously I wasn't there, but like, I don't know that Robert Townsend <laughs> had something on Bill Cosby uh, but like I think much. also like sometimes because yeah. I know when um like when uh Jake uh Jake Weissman started doing corporate mm-hmm. and I was like and I'm friends with Jake Weissman like I always check on him I just love Jake Weissman um okay and so I talk to him all the time but like when he was doing when they were doing corporate I would hit I was like dude I love the show if there's any way that I can be involved I'd love to be involved. Because there's just certain things that you see, like, I know, like, I'm friends with Robin Thede and Ashley Nicole Black, so I'm just like, yo, if you need me, I would love to do yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's just these people where you're just like, whatever you're doing, like, whenever you, like, when you were doing New Negroes, like, you said you were doing a show, I was like, please, 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 Jesus, let him ask me to do this show. Um, because there's just some people you really want to work with. So, you know, it could have been that he was just like, yo, I really fuck with what you do. Um, I would really like to be involved because sometimes you see like really big people in like a newer project. You're like, like Rihanna, like Rihanna had a girl, uh, like a girl who was like a big influencer on Instagram or something in one of her music mm-hmm. videos. And Rihanna like DM that girl on Instagram and was just like, I love your profile. I love what you do. And uh. she was like, and if you say no, that's okay. And this girl was like, why would I say no to be in a Rihanna video? What are you talking? She's like, well, I didn't know if you would want to agree to do it. So like someone as big That's as true. Rihanna was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if this girl would ever want to be in my video. And I was like, bitch, you're Rihanna. Come on. But. Well, uh, yeah. Because sometimes it's Go like, ahead. but sometimes you just like as an artist, you're like, I really respect what this person does, but I don't know if they're a fan of me. You know? That's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't doubt. If, you know, and it's, there's probably a way to find out, but I, I think that because Robert Townsend was a, as a filmmaker, you mm-hmm. know, by this point, he had made a bunch of different things that were so interesting and so different, always had a message. There's a wholesomeness and an earnestness to to Robert Townsend's work. Mm-hmm. Like there's always kind of a, a heart to it. And I think that's the kind of shit that somebody like Bill Cosby, you know, at least you know, on the surface, yeah, been attracted to, you know, and maybe asked to be in the thing or Robert Townsend, you know, I mean, look at the cast of Meteor Man. I mean, you got like Marla Gibbs, you got Eddie Griffin, you got James O. Jones. This cast is absurd. Yeah. So he was always stacking like all these interesting people next to each other. So, you know, to have Bill Cosby as a part of that pie is not surprising to me. No. It's the same thing in something like, um, you know, uh, like the five heartbeats, you know, like the people that he has in that movie, you know, he's got, again, he's got legends next to himself, <laughs> you know? And that's the other thing. 
he's a lot, people have gone on to have great careers, you know, mm-hmm. and these, this is like his crew. That's the other thing is that he was really faithful to his people. He was, and but it was literally cause like there's, um, cause some of the guys who were in the gang and meteor man were also mm-hmm. two of the guys who were at the audition in Hollywood shuffle. Right. And then they were the two guys that were trying to be like the 40 year old rap group. Yeah, in, yeah. 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 The cousins, uh, right. The cousins in five heartbeats. So yes. he is really, it's like, cause at the, at the end of Hollywood shuffle, he calls them like the Robert Townsend players. And. Oh, that's right. He does call them the Robert Townsend players. And, and he so, does that whole, the, the, uh, the credit sequence thing mm-hmm. where he really like focuses in on each person. He shows you their face and their name. Which is great because it's like, and I think sometimes it's one, you don't have to recast everything that you're doing. Two, <laughs> you know the level of talent and dedication that these people have. And then three, mm-hmm. they know what message you're trying to convey and what your vision is because you've worked mm-hmm. on with them on multiple films. Mm-hmm. Because I saw all of those movies as a kid, but did not realize. It's the same people in some Roy of those Fegan movies. That Roy Fegan who played. Uh, I didn't know Roy Fegan. I didn't know that the guy in Five Heartbeats and Simon was the same dude. Yeah, because he's he's doing a completely different thing in both of those those roles. So it's like he, he, he's was, transforming. How about that? He acted. You're telling me this man was acting? Mm-hmm. I just thought because he had a blonde afro in one movie and had finger waves in the <laughs> other. Uh, that you know they caught the girl, but like you know the Diane Carroll, the amazing Diane Carroll, R.I.P. Diane, Diane Carroll, legend. Um, did you her? She has that book called The Legs of the Last Thing to Go, and I've talked about mm. it on the podcast before. You have to read this book. I definitely will. It yeah. will hate, make you hate Sidney Poitier. <laughs> All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Well, I actually saw a little bit of that documentary, um, They Gotta Have Us. Mm-hmm. And they they go a little bit into, I mean, obviously, Diane Carroll is still with us mm-hmm. uh well actually they're both still with us but they had her in the you know they had is still alive in me i think why so. am i confused right now um he's like now i must bid everyone goodbye that's the way he's gonna those are his last words he, his voice is the strangest thing I've ever, i could not understand how he got a career when you sounded like a 1920s robot i could <laughs> not a 1920s robot that's Write it down. Oh my God. Uh, I could write not write it down. Handle Cindy Porty. I will write that. Anytime That's you hilarious. anytime you or Roy Wood Jr. tell me to write something down, I write it down. Because you know I just be saying shit and I don't remember remembering. That's right. Well, it's because, you know, when you're not thinking of it, sometimes you're at your funniest. Man, when I quit thinking, I get so much stuff. <laughs> that is man, you know what? Those are literally words to live by. Thinking you can't think yourself out of everything. Sometimes you just have to let it be. Sometimes you have to feel yourself. Or you got to you know fight a saying? bitch. But I don't know what kind of life <laughs> But sometimes the bitch is you. You know what I'm saying? You got to fight about, you gotta fight, Ooh, fight against yourself. Okay. You know, there's that. an inner child. There's also an inner bitch that sometimes you got to slap. <laughs> <laughs> you got to slap <laughs> to make sure they know you who's in charge of this unit. Okay, I'm done. Uh, uh, this this unit, this body. Um, um, so what were your favorite moments in mm-hmm. Meteor Man? I mean, Meteor Man... Um, we skipped five heartbeats. I just want to. Well, if you want to do five um, heartbeats first, and then we can do medium man. It's whatever's fresh on your brain. Yeah. Well, you know, I did want to say a thing about like working with 
the same actors again. This mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a a repertory company. Even the call the 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 group of people, the Robert Townsend players. This is age old shit. Yeah, you know Orson Welles. You know, considered one of the the fathers of modern American cinema. Cast the it was like the same ten people that he worked with over and over again. He did he made theater with these people. You know, mm-hmm. and if you look at like the Will Ferrell, Adam McKay school, like they were making the same movies, mm-hmm. same people, same with Ben Stiller, the same people, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, people, when you know someone's strengths mm-hmm. and you have a rapport and you have a chemistry, like, of course, you keep imagining all these different situations you guys could be in. Um, so Five Heartbeats, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to it. My, one of my favorite things about Five Heartbeats, first of all, is that it is not afraid to go dark. It really starts off as a little bit of like almost like a family friendly comedy mm-hmm. and it takes some dark ass dark turns because he got really raw about trying to say some some real shit about the the music industry and how artists like like these Motown artists, you know, stuff like that were treated back then and taken right. advantage of. Um, I do want to single out uh, the actor Michael Wright. Uh, he played um, Eddie who was the lead singer of the five heart. Has he been in anything else since that? Cause he was, ama- I don't remember. He works. He works. But Michael the Wright. other day when I watched that movie, he stood out to me so hard. Mm-hmm. His, his performance as Eddie is heartbreaking. There's this one scene. It's after he's become an addict and he's been kicked out the group. He's been replaced by the, the fake ass version of him. Yeah. Uh, what was it? He Flash. shows up. Flash, right. He shows up all drugged out in his old school costume. Mm-hmm. And that whole scene, they're just looking at him. And that whole scene is heart. And it's all on Michael Wright, just yes. playing the shit out of it. Because there's not a lot of cuts. That's all that dude's performance. Mm-hmm. And his, per- like, you know, any other era, you know, uh, if, if it was a quote unquote white movie, that dude, people would have been like, we got to get that guy in something. Like mm-hmm. he could have been, a, he should have been maybe even, you could say, a big star. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great moments in the five heartbeats. Um, I just like the, again, the legends. I like that uh, that um, Diane Carroll is in the thing. I like that one of the Nicholas brothers uh, is in the thing. I like, you know, that he, again, is always putting interesting people together. Um, yeah, that's that's sort of my general feeling about five heartbeats. Oh, let me say one other thing. Uh, the dude red hanging that man out the window. Oh yeah, that's that's raw. That's raw. I was the first I wanna... thing I thought was, did Suge Knight learn this from him? That's the only <laughs> thing I thought about. Well, you know, I don't know that Suge Knight's the first person to do that. You know, there's legends about again promoters back in the day, chilling circuit, you know, record labels, all that stuff Robin. was still coming together. Yeah, because it was like black artists. You know, the, the 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 white record companies wanted to change their music, sell it to the four, the five horsemen. You know, oh, like the, the, when they came in, I was like, "This is." In the blonde wigs. Oh, Michael Wright's done like Black Night, Black Lightning, and Rel, and okay, I just yeah. want to make sure the man was still working. Oh no, he he works, he works. He's just he was so good in that movie. There's a lot of good performances in that movie. Um, same with Meteor Man. Um, but yeah, I really liked. Uh, that he says some real stuff, but like, I think that a lot of those old school uh, pr- promoters, record label producers, whatever the hell those guys were, 
they were raw. They were taking advantage of stuff, you know? So it's kind of like, that's, that's apocryphal, you know, dangling somebody out the window. I'm not sure that Chuck Knight's the first person to do it as much as he is a person in our generation <laughs> do it. who, who was raw enough to do it. Uh, I, not uh, with no irony. It's not a joke. What was you know? always so wild to me with that. It's that these, like, cause I know, like I talked to a, um, a black comic that I know a couple years ago and they did a lot of shows like in the urban scene in Atlanta and around the South. And it was, you know, you'd be at a show and the promoter's like, yeah, man, you know, we really make the door. And he's like, nigga, the whole room is full. People are, somebody's holding a plate of wings standing up. You were not going to tell me <laughs> you didn't make the money. And I was like, so what'd you do? He said, I did. He said, all I did was look at him and go, cool, let me go to the trunk. And he was like, hey, 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 man, you know, listen, uh, just come, just come, just come in the back with me. Or like in the show Atlanta, where there's the episode where uh, Donald Glover's character is trying to get Paperboy paid, and the man in the club keeps disappearing behind different oh, yeah. doors and shit like that. And it's just like, I've always been so interested with promoters thinking that it is okay. Everyone's thinking that it's all right that the artist shouldn't get their money. It's almost like they, they it's almost like it's in the handbook. Uh, promoters it's like so right. you want to be a promoter in the first page first page fuck your artists How and i don't mean in the good way <laughs> but it's like record label stealing because now with like all of the online content you know it's because before artists would you know the record label gets the record sales and then mm -hmm. on the road you keep your ticket money you keep your merch money and now it's the record label going okay, we're going to sell this T-shirt for $30, but we're getting $15 off this T-shirt. And it's just like, yeah, the bitch, you didn't even buy these t Like, it's just, it's wild. Like, the people have always been so okay with well, the and artist a lot of the doesn't times, have to get it's paid. Because, it's because a lot of these artists, especially when they're starting out, Don't you know, have. and it's true for us as comedians, it's true for, you know, a lot of these people back in the day in, in when they were, you know, like, Again, Motown era. And I'm thinking about like, you know, all kinds of different record companies um, right. in which these were kids. You know, these were people who sometimes were teenagers in their mm -hmm. 20s. Th this they're most of the time, you know, people had families that were like, don't do it. Get a real job. And so to be in a position where they're saying, like, we're going to pay you money to sing and travel. Yeah. And it was something that you never thought could be possible. And they tell you a, an amount of money that to you at that point is the most money you've ever heard of. Right. Right. But then five years down the line, when you find out like what people actually get paid and that you don't own the rights to your own shit, mm -hmm. they own the publishing, yeah. they own the masters. Yeah. They took, cause those people are all 20, 30 years older than you trying right. to sign a 17 year old. Like, what do you know? You know, I'm going to get you a car. Oh snap. Really? And then suddenly you're like, Oh, I should have made 800 times as much money as I made. I right. got screwed. And I think like, but I think now if, um, I think like come the nineties, like if you were like a young usher getting signed, I think enough usher. usher. Uh, also my uncle was the first, sold him his first like big house in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> now this is what my uh, uncle told me, but who knows uncle, you know, but my uncle wasn't real estate. So the basis of the story could feasibly be true. Um, but it's like, okay, enough of these movies. Got in a good-ass house right between Jermaine Dupree and Criss Cross. Yeah. <laughs> that would be accurate for the time. Um, <laughs> living next door to Criss Cross. Uh, it's like, what do we do? We tried to see how many things we could put on backwards. Um, 
It's wiggity, 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 whack. What can you say? That's the most Bond thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't I having clothes you can put on backwards. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you hope by that time, like there'd been enough movies come out, but like, listen, they're going to rob you. Get your publishing, get your masters, get your record deal, get all of this stuff. Be- but I can't tell you the coldest thing I ever heard about that was Michael Jackson uh, buying the Beatles catalog. Oh, yeah. Was the coldest thing I've ever fucking heard. Because apparently uh, Paul McCartney told him that they didn't have their catalog. And, you know, he, you should give your catalog. Da, 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 da. And Michael Jackson went, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. And then bought the Beatles catalog and then wouldn't sell it to the nigga. That's pimping. That's that's pimping, pimping. That's, that's the like, coldest. Listen, that's the coldest thing cold. I've heard. It's very I was cold. like, yo, man, y'all might have said a lot of shit about Michael Jackson, but the nigga had some cold moments. I mean, that was no, he, he was a businessman. He was very much a businessman in a lot of different ways. Prince too. Oh, you know Prince what I mean? didn't. Prince did not play about his music, Jack. But that's the biggest thing. That's again thematically, it ties back to the five heartbeats because young Michael Jackson, young Prince were taken advantage of. Yes. They were taken advantage of by these labels. That's the hope. By the time you get to someone to be, you know, to the era where Ursher, where Ursher I can't even say Usher. You get, to the era, <laughs> Usher. you get to the era where Usher's coming up, you know, he's heard the stories. He's yeah. hopefully read the autobiographies. Hopefully older artists mm-hmm. that have been there say, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. It's the same for us as comics. You know, we hope that certain comics of a different generation that came before have some advice to give. And you know how to navigate all this stuff, and then shit changes, and then we are supposed to pass it down, I guess. Um, and that's the thing so about the five heartbeats too. Again, that's so stingy though, with information. That's true. That's very very true. Yeah, because we're we're all jealous. We all you know, we are in an industry that makes us feel like there is not enough room for all of us. But and it keeps any... showing us that there is though. Like that's the thing exactly. now. It's like now it's you don't only have to. It's not just you know. HBO, Showtime, and Comedy Central that are giving out specials. Mm-hmm. There's so many more places get like now Netflix and you know there was uh what was that CISO that lasted for 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, like there were a lot of other different outlets for people, and I think now, but then that was the issue was that you know when there was four stations on TV, it was hard to sell a show. When there was only so many labels, there was hard to get into the music industry. And yeah. I did want to go back to one moment in Hollywood Shuffle when you were talking about, because you were saying five heartbeats. You know, because uh, Eddie's father says to him, you're never, he's like, you're never going to be anything because you're only ever going to be me. Mm-hmm. Which is a fucked yeah. up thing to say to your child. But it was like, again, he was like, I don't want him to get hurt. But at the same time, you don't just want to be a better man than I am. Be a better man than I am. And it goes back to the sequence where, you know, um, Robert Townsend's character is sitting there at that hot dog stand with Keenan Ivy Wayans and the other dude, and he's just like, Why are you even? You're not gonna be good enough for this. You're not gonna. And I was like, And I thought about like times where I was at day jobs and some, mm-hmm. you know, some woman who was 20 years older than me who had a baby early, and these are her words, had her baby early and didn't get to do what she wanted to do. So it don't make no sense for it. She's like, Well, you know, you can't be. Doing, and I'm like, I didn't have, I didn't have a kid at 16. How the fuck does that have anything? How does this have anything to do with me? And there's a lot of times I think there were a lot of people who were just like, a lot of times people were like, it's not, it has nothing to do with your ability. Mm-hmm. It's people going, well, if I couldn't get to do what I wanted to do, you how can't could get to you? Do. We look the same. 
We're both black. How can you get something better than what I could have ever got? What's that whole thing about the crabs? Is it's it like crab a, in a barrel a, that they can't climb crab out? Crab in a barrel. If they all mm-hmm. work together, they could all climb out, but instead they're pulling each other down. But then there was all, but there were so many more people at these day jobs going, "Girl, get out of here!" Oh yeah, you are not meant to be here. It's the you same for me. There were so many. There was like one or two bitter ass women, but everyone else in the job was, "Girl, did you have a show last night?" Did you have an audition today? Girl, I know you was late. What'd you really do? Because I know you wasn't going to no doctor. Fuck that doctor. Where were you really at? So there were so many <laughs> more. There were so many more people or uh, or uh, there some bosses. I couldn't tell them I did stand up because if I'm in the break mm-hmm. room yawning, oh, you look a little bit tired. Did you do a show last night? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, yeah, I did three uh... shows last night, but I can't tell this bitch. But then you finally get the boss, like my boss, the last one I had in my last day job. She was so supportive of me. I was only supposed to take mm-hmm. five days off of work. She gave me 13 days off to do festivals, mm. to um, to go to oh, L.A. Oh, yeah, I remember to, that. Yeah, Gabby. Uh, I also owe this woman a full Mercedes, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but she took the deal because she knew that one day she was going to get her car. So, you know, especially with Hollywood stuff and seeing that sequence, it's just like, yes, you're going to these auditions and you're like, you know, black people didn't write this script. And... You know, you, you, there's, there are those people in the office because sometimes those people start in on you. And I've had a lady go to start on me and another girl in the office was like, ah, leave her alone. You hate your life, but don't put that on her. I've had other women in the office stick up for me. That's, I mean, that's the truth. It really is like people who are supportive of you, they know that what you're doing has nothing to do with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're living their lives. Happiness is up to each person, you know, like to some people they're 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 having a kid at 16 is not necessarily the end of your life no you know, it doesn't mean that you can't do strive from that yeah yeah it's very hard and you have to have hopefully a a, a support system mm-hmm. so when you don't have that stuff in place obviously it makes it harder and harder and harder but like yeah i mean that stuff is really it, it's the anger carries over you know, mm-hmm. and it does make them like the, make a person like a crab in a barrel where they're like, no, no, no. If, if we're in here, you're going to stay in here, too, um, which like, is yeah, the kind bitch, of the thing again. Swim. <laughs> and then sometimes there's the crab that gets to the top and is strong enough to lift the other crabs out of the barrel. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and that's Robert Townsend. <laughs> that's ah. me trying to like well, tie it back sometimes, together. And then there's those other crabs that pull, you know, the crabs out. And then there's that crab, one crab is like, no, nah, I'm good in here. I could climb out. I'm all right. I'm chilling. It's a little water. I mean, you know, got a little nibble on down here. And uh, now there's so much space now. Right. You know, it's all gone. Location, location, location. <laughs> so, what are your favorite moments from uh, Meteor Man? Meteor Man. I think my favorite moment is when uh, the very beginning when um, James Earl Jones, his character, is trying on those different wigs on. Yo, that uh, his hair, the whole movie is so hilarious. That flat top a, wig, that flat top toupee is hilarious. It's such a, it's such a, it's a turn from James Earl Jones that you would not expect. That's another thing, is right. that there's people like James Earl Jones who's a very respected, quote unquote, dramatic actor, being goofy as fuck. Goofy in this as movie, fuck, and he had so much. You can tell he was having fun. Yeah, same for somebody like Marla Gibbs. You know, and, and you know what? Having fun is actually the, the the biggest thing, and that's a that's apparent to me that they had fun making Meteor Man. Um, I mean, hell, again, Don Cheadle is in the damn movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we um, all know Don Cheadle's a beast, but also when Don Cheadle did that uh, Captain Planet for Funny or Die, it's one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. It's very goofy. It's very very goofy, um, and that's again. 
This dude's got Marla Gibbs, Don Cheadle, James O. Jones in the same damn movie. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, and Robert Goulet, or what's his name? How you say his name? Robert Goulet? Robert Goulet, yeah. There's an M at the end, but you don't say it. Where's Robert Goulet? You, you talking about the, the big white boss? No, not Robert. I'm not trying to say Robert Goulet. I'm trying to say the man who played Benson. What's his name? Oh, Robert Guillaume. Guillaume. That's it. All right. <laughs> it was a G in Robert the Robert Goulet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Jesus uh, ben, I love that all you gotta say is Benson. <laughs> Benson. That's a very specific reference. A lot of people don't remember Benson. That's a big I black think ass I've show. Only seen like maybe two or three episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, right before, uh, right before uh, Amen. And uh... <laughs> I swear you're the only part. Like I swear I am the only person that remembers Amen. Thank you so no, much. No, I used to watch that show when I was a kid. I love that show. That's how I fell in love with Bumper Robinson. Because oh if you talk about somebody who worked as a, like he was a teenager for fucking 20 years, first and foremost, <laughs> <laughs> like a real Stacey Dash situation or uh, um, ah. what's that other girl's name? She was on Buffy. Fuck. What Which is one? her name? She has played on a teenager. Buffy? Oh, I, I never watched Buffy. So I'm not sure. You didn't get into Buffy. No, I didn't. I was all pissed off. They made a TV show from that movie. I was like, nah. Christy Swanson forever. No, I never Man, said that. please. That movie was so... That TV show was so much better. People love the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never watched it. I loved the movie. I mean, it's a goofy movie, but the like... The movie's goofy as shit, and then when the TV yeah. show came out, it was I mean, uh, way uh, way more serious. Well, yeah. Ah, it's a TV show. Bianca Lawson. Her. Oh. Mm-mm. Don't remember the name. Don't oh, know the name. that girl has been... A teenager. She's also on Queen time. Sugar. Do you watch Queen Sugar? Uh, I've watched a little Queen Sugar. My friend, uh, actually, a girl I went to high school with, is on that show. Oh, I tried to watch that, and it's um, uh, she, it's sometimes them shows be too intense for your girl. It's very intense. Yeah, Rutina Wesley. She's one of the leads, uh, if not the lead in the show. Rutina, she was the one that was on True Blood. Yes. Oh, I like True Blood, and then started getting too witchy, and I was like. Man, my mama can't know I'm watching this show, buying this show uh, up in the name of Jesus, and now I can't watch it anymore. But you're watching Buffy? Well, she with Buffy, Buffy freakier? Buffy, Buffy got too witchy at a point, too. So did Angel. Like, I watched Angel, and I'm just like, oh, these niggas only cast a spell? All right, I can't fuck with y'all neither. Oh, my God. What's the great, like, listen, <laughs> if we just killing vampires and hanging out, I could fuck with that. But once we start casting spells and shit, and I'm just like, ah, oh, my mama. I, my, when my mother realized what Charmed was about, I was not allowed to watch that show. But that's not oh, very don't. southern. We can't fuck with witches and none of that shit. Oh, this bitch is killing vampires? All right, cool. But uh, once these witches show up, are you saying all kind of incantations in the, with my mama in the auditory reference to Marianne Hill? <laughs> nah, you got to turn this shit off, my girl. No, ma'am, we that's can't do so this. That's so silly. They would start so doing silly. spells. I'd have to mute my... T- I was like, all right, let me turn the channel for two seconds. Because I don't know... That's silly. They're not real spells. I'll tell I you don't that. know that. I don't know how Although, much research these people is doing. That the spell has been cast when you started watching the show. Am I right? Is not the dialogue and incantation. Okay, let's go back to what we were talking about. Um. <laughs> the favorite. <laughs> well, my uncle was like, "That's why spelling is the yes. way that it is." Or curse words. This is my other uncle. I got four uncles. Um. So the favorite thing about Meteor Man. I mean, Meteor Man has a lot of things that I like in it. You know, um, the first of all, Ruth E. Carter who Oscar-winning Ruthie Carter, the costume designer of Black Panther, designed Meteor Man. 
She also did a bunch of spake, uh, spakely, spakely. Yes. That's what they call. That's what they call him in Scotland. You guys gonna watch the spakely movie? <laughs> you gonna go watch do the right thing? I don't even know. That's the worst Scottish accent that's ever happened. No, I've Greek heard them. That's, that's very close. They, there's a lot of all uh, rolling in that in yes. their in their accent. So Ruthie Carter. I also wanted to point out this one woman director and actress Cassie Lemons. She directed Harriet that came out last year. She directed uh, Talk to Me, which actually starred Don Cheadle in it. She would tell a Jew for and Don Cheadle. Mm. She acted in both School Days. Wasn't she in Fear of a Black Hat? She probably was in Fear of a Black Hat, yes. Rusty Cundiff. Yeah, Rusty. And Rusty's in, um, Rusty's in Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle. Yes, he is. And that's what I'm saying. Robert's a the nexus point stuff like rusty cundeef cassie lemons cassie lemons is a filmmaker she was also in um five heartbeats that's how you say his uh, name cundeef i've always i've always said cundeef i don't know if it's cundeef i've met him one time before he was a very nice guy is he a creole very, is, is that a creole name or something Where is uh, you'd have to you'd have to ask him but you know he is light-skinned uh it could it could very well be some of that creole going on um Cassie Lemons was Cookie in uh, Five Heartbeats. That you talked about uh, Roy Fegan, he played Bird, and there's like, oh, my cousin's the host. We're gonna win this contest. He's like, Cookie, bring all the girls, and they scream real hard for him. All oh, the girl in the and front that she, passes out when uh, that passes out. Oh, when the brother kid, when the brother kid, when uh, Leon kisses yes, her. Michael Wright. That's where, oh no no you're right it's Leon it's Leon because right him and Flash are like competing. No 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 it's Leon. Yeah, because him it's and Flash. Leon or Michael Wright? I no, it's Leon because him and Flash are competing. Because he was like, the girls used to. That's say a different my name. scene. That's a different scene. That's a, that's a that's a later scene. Oh no! It is girl. Flash that kisses that girl. You're right. You're right. It is Flash that kisses it, that girl. No, it's Leon that kisses that girl in that other scene. But in the first scene, there's a different. There's multiple scenes where women are being seduced in five heartbeats. Uh, there's even five times where you see a heartbeat. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> being dumb. But Cassie Lemons, that's that's the point. She, she's another person who's a filmmaker. Rusty Cundiff, I don't know if it's Cundiff or Cundiff. He also directed episodes of Chappelle's show. Again, nexus points, people who are connected and all that stuff. So Meteor Man, probably my favorite moment, and it's really cheesy. It's sort of like that, um, obviously people don't know how to feel about Meteor Man. There's like a montage where he's flying around the city and then at the same time, there's like a radio show and they're talking about like Meteor Man. And some people are like, I think he's a menace. And some people are like, he saved my son. Yeah. And then there's like that garden. Do you remember this part? Mm. He goes up to the community garden. Yeah, and, and then he, he makes all he that. He puts his hands mm. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the soil and, and then, you know, fills it up with green Meteor Man energy. Yeah. And the and next then day, the garden is all beautiful and overgrown and everyone's like, oh my God. I, that scene always gets me like it always gets me it's just like this idea of if i had that's the first movie ever that if i watched that i thought man if i had powers what would i be like it would it because it, be it was somebody it's someone that, that was like me yeah. i'd be a gardener that was one of the many things that you could do but it's like <laughs> this is a nerdy dude named jefferson mm-hmm. you know from this little neighborhood and suddenly this is the guy that has the powers it's you know and it's it's a quote unquote black superhero movie had not been done up to that point. Not and even so, in the seventies. Not a not a superhero movie popular. I mean, the black exploitation films and all that stuff. 
you could say is in that structure. You know, characters like Superfly, Shaft, stuff like that. But no one who was you know, flying around and shit Brown. being, being mm-hmm. real Superman-like. No, 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 no. I mean, there was that Superman movie that Richard Pryor was in, but Richard Pryor wasn't Superman. Uh, you know what I mean? This is this is the black man is Superman mm. and has the ability to hold up his neighborhood for real, you know? And he's and that, afraid of heights, which is so funny because he's like flying right, through the neighborhood, but he's like street level. <laughs> but it's, 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 yes, yes, yes. But it's consistent. Again, it's like all three of these movies, Hollywood Shuffle, Five Heartbeats, Meteor Man, have great jokes, but also, again, always have this heart. And of course, the fight scene at the end, the whole climax of the movie at the end, where he's fighting against Simon of the Golden Lords, yeah. and Simon has the meteor powers all, also at the same time, and they're both they're throwing books back and forth to each other, and it's oh, the one man. that's the modeling book. That's and then so they start funny. to model. Fucking Cypress Hill bursts in at the end of it, and you're like, "What the hell is going?" That's the best scene in the whole thing, as far as I'm concerned. That 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 climax at the end of it. Where the community that he's been defi- uh, that he's been defending, right? Because at one point him. he gets up all the guns out of their hands, and once the guns are gone, it's like, oh, a bunch of whole old women are about to hit you with brooms and and, then, and ra- uh, uh, plates. Yes, plates, and you know James Earl Jones is throwing his you know albums at people um, with his sideways with his sideways kid and play. But what's so nuts? It was like, what's the Golden Lords leave? Then the white man comes in, which that bad guy was one of the, for that last like small scene he was in. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of acting put into like maybe a small 15, 15 lines. And you're talking about the big bad white guy at the end. Yeah, but this is the thing that annoyed me. Okay, the Crips mm-hmm. and the Bloods show up when the white bad yes, white yes, man yes, show yes, up. Yes, 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 but yes, I was yes. like, how come the Crips and the Bloods weren't here when the Golden Lords were here? You know, because black on black crime, you want to make sure that, uh, okay, I'm, I'm not sure now. <laughs> What's like, because the, the neighbor, the, but I understand it because it was like the neighborhood defeated their own menace. And mm-hmm. then uh, the a black. A bigger com- menace. Right. And then the black community had to defend itself from this white outsider mm-hmm. um, with Luther Vandross, who literally says nothing. <laughs> yes, I, yes. He's like, all right, we're here. And I was like, what? And then also it was so ridiculous because. They were all in like old cars. Like there was like someone who's like in a 1930s, like it's all these old ass cars. And then like something looked like a DeLorean pulled up. <laughs> and I was like, well, what the fuck are they doing here? Because we already defeated Simon. Yeah, Luther Vandross is like a whole in a, in a intimidating person with his eyes the entire time. He's very silent. He wanted to talk, but you know, the legendarily Robert Townsend was like, no, be quiet. He's like, but how much silence is too much silence? And Robert Townsend was like, there's never too much. And then uh, I'm joking. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Tell you um, the dumbest thing ever. If you are uh, not I aware, want to say, Baron Vaughn well, just made a reference to a Luther Vandross song while <laughs> talking about Luther Vandross. Know your history. Go ahead, Baron Vaughn. This man's full. Frank Gorshin, the big white guy at the end. His name is Frank Gorshin. He played the ruler in the old school Adam West Batman. <gasps> That's why he looks so familiar to me mm-hmm. with the zip so he, pal Batman. He usually, yes, he's usually the purple mask and the green question marks. And he goes, riddle me this Batman. You know, that's that's the same guy. So again, Robert Townsend is 
showing his knowledge of comic books yes, and showing his knowledge of superhero stuff up until that point. So it's like, it's, it's really is a, ahead of its time. And I think that it's a travesty that it wasn't accepted. But I think, again, the biggest message here is that Robert Townsend didn't, didn't fit into a box. He didn't mm-hmm. want to be put into a box. He wanted to make all of these different movies that were very different from each other. And I think because he didn't stay in his lane, it confused people, you know. Right. He's influenced generations after generations of, you know, of creatives. But at the time, you know, it's always someone who's really original and really unique that, you know, is first to the party where people are kind of like, I'm not sure I, I can hang with you. Like they don't, if you don't recognize it, sometimes you think it's wrong. But now it's kind of like, you, again, you look back and you go, man, this guy was ahead of his time. It consistently, mm-hmm. you know, was, was doing something that it took another 10 years for people to really go, oh, you know what I mean? All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Yeah, it's. I always think I was thinking about just black people in general Mm -hmm. the other day, and I was just like, it must (laughs) be so frustrating to mainstream society that they spend Uh, so much time stealing from us. And whether it's fashion or music or slang or just, you know, uh, they spend so much time stealing from us, and then we're just like, okay. Well, then let's just make something else. And we just, and we always created this, and it must be so frustrating. And, and for the then that gets like, stolen, and then and, it, it, and it goes, and they, goes back and forth. And you steal it, and so, like, it's like, uh, you know, because it seemed like, you know, they stole, like, rock and roll. Like, when you look at the career of, like, you know, Little Richard, who just passed away, mm-hmm. uh, and him influencing so many people and taking so many people under his, you know, and teaching so many people mm-hmm. and being constantly stolen from, and that's just one black person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just kept creating. Mm-hmm. It has to be frustrating because it's like, okay, we've stolen your music. We sold it to white people. Okay, fuck, they just made something else. Okay, let's go steal that. Okay, f- okay, okay, fuck it. They made something else. And it's like we just, <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing that they've only been able to steal, that we've kind of been able to keep to ourselves, I think really is rap music for a long time. Because you'd have your vanilla ices and then he'd be gone and we had Iggy Azalea for a second. We were just like, this bitch is Australian. <laughs> for out. a second. Cause like I thought she was like uh, murder business is a great song, and then I heard her Australian accent, and I was like no, and the Ti was like I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, murder. I remember murder business. That's a, I feel like it was on Ti's blog or some shit. It was a I great first... fucking song, and then she did an interview, and everyone was like, Yeah, because when I first saw her, I was like, huh? Like it was so strange to like. I'm like, when I first heard the song, I was like, it sounds like a lot of different black women that I know. And yeah. then when I saw the video and I was like, hmm, it was very strange. Like if she'd have been and, from Atlanta, everyone would have been like, sure. Or like when Crayshawn or V Nasty is the same thing. But then like V Nasty got in trouble because she kept saying nigga on one of her albums. And everyone was like, okay, we don't know what you LA uh, black people are allowing. But we're I not I guess doing the only, what you LA black people allow? I, I guess the only thing I could think of is like, yes, it's frustrating, but if you allow the frustration to take no, I mean, up too for much us, real estate. For, for them. Because they keep robbing oh, us oh, and oh. we keep making new shit. So just like we are trying to take from them. Oh, it's not frustrating to them. They're making many, much money. Uh, They're making many monies. Damn, now that made me feel worse. Okay. Um, fuck. So we keep creating and they keep. Although I want to tell you that we're talking about the, the films 
uh, of Robert Townsend. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, no one in the world is having a similar discussion about the vanilla ice vehicle, cool as ice. I guarantee you right now, <laughs> nobody is like, you know what jam, you know what's the jam? Ninja, ninja, <laughs> whack, ninja, ninja, whack, go ninja. Like nobody is talking about, No. nobody's talking about that. No one's talking about the contributions. Or or Bubba Sparks was still great. I follow him on Instagram now. <laughs> um, I don't know if he knows anything about There's me. The, but. There, are a lot of, there are a lot of talented white rappers. I know that's a controversial thing to say out loud. But I mean, there's just, some people who I'm like, I don't mind you. I don't, I don't, I'm not aware because they're not giving me... Uh, listen, I just want to hear about guns, hoes, and money. And when they <laughs> I don't believe them. I ain't shaking nothing. Except for Bubba Sparks. I got to fuck with him for a second. Now... <laughs> He's still cute. So I do want to uh, get to my favorite part of okay. the podcast, and it's called yes. ba -ba -da -da, That Black Ass Confession. Yes, yes. So, the Black Ass Confession, for if this is the first time you've ever listened to this particular podcast, the Black Ass Confession is when you tell me a, a black TV show, movie, or black thing that you can't do. The example I always give is, uh, I've never seen Baby's Kids or Baby Boy. Oh, and don't and, and refuse to do it. And uh, I don't really know how to play spades. <laughs> I also don't know how to play spades. I'm sorry to say. I mean, uh, I always I don't know how to play spades or dom or, or dominoes. Uh, you always I, renig. <laughs> I, but I think is I always renig because I don't know what I'm doing. So you always reniging. Ah, you know, you know your girl. Uh, Renigging. Put... You can't do that. <laughs> Okay, so what is your... A black-ass confession. I love Baby's Kids. Uh, great movie. Um, even though I think that it that that uh, it's not voiced by Robin Harris. I think Robin Harris might have been dead by the time that movie actually came out. Speaking of Robin Harris, also in, also in Robert Townsend's Partners in Crimes. Partners hmm. in Crime. Um, Poetic Justice is a movie I have never seen. Listen, we just talked about, po I interviewed uh, Jasmine Pierce about Poetic Justice. Uh -huh. The first time she ever saw it was recently as an adult. And we, and I saw it again as an adult when I had to watch it for the podcast. And we collectively agreed that the movie is trash. <laughs> it's a terrible yeah. fucking movie. There's so many times where something really good. Uh, first of all, the word fuck you, the phrase fuck you was used. In an argument between Janet Jackson and Tupac's character, literally for three minutes straight, it's like, well, fuck you, fuck you, or fuck, and you're just like, all right, well, this argument went nowhere. No one offered anything mm. helpful. Mm. Um, but you have children. You have a wonderful family. Um, I would not allow you to use time that you are never going to get back to watch that movie. <laughs> I'm still going to watch it. I just want to be like, okay, finally I know what people are talking about. There's references to poetic justice that people I've seen a lot of crazy shit, by the way. My friend, like Derek Gaines literally has like a patch on his jacket where it's like, um, it's Janet Jackson's character in Tupac. And uh, my friend Ramon took a picture of it. It was like, yo, you and Derek are on his jacket. And I was like, that's stupid because the patch is so... <laughs> out of control that you don't know that it's even fucking Janet Jackson. You really, ah. I really sent it to me. I was like, oh, this could be me. If you made a patch of Janet Jackson and it looks like me, something happened in production. Um, <laughs> Cause this is not, this is not accurate, but 
Yeah, um, if you, because Regina King is in it, and it's it's basically either Regina King, they, she was either acting badly or mm. she's so good at being like this vapid, very surface level type of person mm -hmm. that you're just like, oh, I fuck with this. So either her acting is bad or her acting is amazing. That's always that's always a really funny, tricky thing uh, to to notice in somebody's like, is this really good or really bad? Right. Because I then, hate them. Am I supposed to hate them? Right. And then Janet Jackson's use of slang sometimes like seeing Janet oh, Jackson yeah. yell fuck you at someone 17 times was like, oh, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, mm. But I do wonder. Oh, we do also have to watch because I think we were supposed to watch this uh, Boo a Medea Halloween. Me and you were supposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. see that. Yeah, because you were you were really excited to see that. Because I wanted to see black people do a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're comedy. always the ones yelling at the screen. So. <laughs> but so, what about when we're in the screen? Exactly. How are we yelling at ourselves? <laughs> so okay, I will say that my. Um, Mine has to be, ooh, okay, you gave a classic, so I'm going to have to say... Da, 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 da. There's a second classic I have to say that I've never watched, too, but okay. I, I bet you haven't either. I haven't seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with uh, Sydney Poitier. I've never seen Oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither have I. I've never okay. seen that either. I know what the significance of it, it is, but I've never seen it. Because it became, a, was it originally a play and they turned it into a movie? Because I know they were doing revivals of it, and I think they did a remake with Will Smith, right? Or no, 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 they... They they did do a remake called Guess Who it was Bernie Mac and uh, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where Ashton was playing the Sydney Poitier uh, role and Bernie Mac was playing the I think it was Spencer Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I don't know if it was a play first, but I know that it was the first interracial kiss in a movie. Right. Because uh, Nicole Nichols and uh, William Shatner was the first interracial kiss, I think, on TV. On TV. Mm. Mm. And I yeah. thought the drunk history about it, because basically they were like, you know, we're going to do, basically we're going to do one take where y'all don't kiss so we can air that in the Jim Crow states. And then huh. we're going to do one take where y'all do kiss and we're going to air that everywhere else. And right. what William Shatner would do was every time they did the take where they weren't supposed to kiss, he would cross his eyes. So they couldn't use, so they couldn't use the take where they didn't oh. kiss. Oh, Interesting. Oh, weird. Oh, so he would Shatner. make the take unusable. So every time they, they were like, did you? He's like, well, they're like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And they did a couple takes and they were just like, all right, fuck, we got to go. So everybody ended up getting the usable oh, take. Interesting. And that was the one with That's the funny. The one with the kiss. And Michelle's like, what are you doing, William? He's like, I shat all over that take. You think that'll catch on? <gasps> I shat on it. <laughs> Sometimes I can't tell if you are. Uh, feeling hopeless about existence or thought what I said was very funny. It looks like it might be a combination of both. We're like, no, strike me down. <laughs> it's because I love how, it's because I love how your brain works. So dumb. And your brain works so much faster than mine ever does. Because like your, because like, for, like your ability to like jump to stuff. I'm always like, man, I wish my brain was that fast. That's crazy. I do have a, a weird trilogy that I want to discuss with you one day, maybe on this podcast. Mm, what is it? It's three movies that are unrelated. Yes. It's Fresh. Okay. Juice. 
Mm. And squeeze. <laughs> I think we should watch it in fresh squeeze juice in that order. Okay. <laughs> These are three movies. <laughs> now, people don't know about squeeze. Um, juice, obviously, we were talking about Tupac. You know, squeeze is... A mo- it's an indie film from Boston. It was actually directed by the son of one of my college professors. I have to prove and that this is a real movie. Not doing yes, it with your black Squeeze, hands. Squeeze, directed by Robert Patton Spruill. Jim Spruill was my professor. May he rest in peace. This is about Boston. This is about like, uh, like uh, Dorchester. I think it might be. Yeah, it might be Dorchester or or Roxbury. It's like the parts of Boston that are the the, the hood, and so. Um, it's very violent. That's what I remember. It was kind of like in that era where, you know, it was like post boys in the hood, maybe about the same time as men's society. Mm. So it's kind of, it's kind of in that same era as like, we're making, you know, real stuff about the hood, except boys to boys in the hood is a, Boys in the Hood is like a fable, you know what I mean? Menace to Society is very violent. Menace to Society is like a, I would even say a glorification um, I'm sorry, Ricky no, getting shot? A, Come on, dog. That didn't feel like a fairy tale to me. It's no, I know, but it looks. I'm just saying that, like the slow motion gun fighting and the it's it 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 it, it. A lot of people walked out of that movie just thinking it looked cool, but they don't remember the they don't remember the moral out, well, out of it. But Boys in the Hood has a feel to it where you, it's a cautionary tale in a very different way. Because I remember you know the I mean? mama saying to. In uh, which movie? Uh, in um, Boys in the Hood, I remember the mother saying to Ice Cube's character, why was it him and not you? You're the one that's gangbanging. Why'd the good son die? And I remember going, Ugh. ah, fuck. That made, that, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Damn. That's a film. That's a film. That's a film. So what's the other movie you said you wanted to talk about that you that you hadn't seen? Cooley High. I haven't seen that movie either. That's like a classic. I I own it, but I've never watched it. But it's like, that's one that I've never seen. But that was kind of like a, a defining movie for its era. Um, but yeah, so let's watch Fresh Squeeze and Juice. And then we'll come back together and talk about um, the breakfast movies. That's what we're <laughs> Nobody's eating. Bre- Everyone's getting shot in all those movies. Like nobody, nobody's eating breakfast. Nobody's eating in those. I always think about movies like that. It's people hanging up, movies in general, peeping, hanging, people hanging up and uh, not saying bye. And yeah. no one eating in movies. And I think that's why I love one of the ocean movies where Brad Pitt spends the entire movie eating something. Oh, uh, he's always snacking on something, yeah. And I was like, this, I think that's the first time. Because even when people are at dinner scenes in movies, they're still not eating anything. A yeah, that's because. Well, it's hard continuity and all that other shit yes yes but i think as a writer you have to include the eating rhythmically Say that again because you had distortion as a writer what? i said as a writer you have to include the eating i think rhythmically because the thing is that like i would just, i would understand that people don't eat during a scene because it it disturbs the dialogue but if you write the eating into the dialogue if it becomes mm-hmm. a piece of the character or the joke that the person is talking with food in their mouths mm-hmm. you know or you can't understand what they're saying or they start to choke because they shouldn't be talking with the damn with while they're trying to suck that marrow out and they start being like you know what you need to oh, oh, check the well, I can't like you gotta, say in a Tyler Perry movie if they're sitting down to eat dinner they eat dinner people are eating at a table I think a lot of times when I see movies with black folks if there's food on 
we eating this food. Well, it's 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 portrayed as a ceremony, as the togetherness sort of ritual. It's very, right. it's, it's very different than most movies where it's like dinner is just a thing you do. It's not about your family. <laughs> you know, it's just like we got to eat before we start fighting again. You know, that's usually how <laughs> it is. Eat my strength, Carl. Ah! I'm, gonna, I'm going to eat this minestrone. <laughs> then I'm going to find out who killed the president. But first, minestrone. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, one of the most unsatisfying soups I've ever had in my life. I don't think I've ever had good minestrone. I don't think it exists. It's not a thing. I no. saw a tweet the other day, and it was said uh, white people were eat, forced to eat their own food for two months and started rioting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've had too many casseroles. <laughs> too many casseroles. Not everything has to be a hot dish, Karen. If I have another casserole or fruit cake, and if I can't get my hair cut, I'm gonna burn this mother down. Yeah, just see a woman dumb. in the back just going, pad Thai. I just want pad Thai. White people love Thai food. Well, it's got seasonings. It must be what it is. I don't know. I love Thai food. Uh, I don't get to eat it as much, but like, still like it. I mean, speaking of food. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go and get these uh, get these kids some. Food Let me ask you the last question. We had to get to last a close question. there. Give me See? the last question. So, what's the biggest thing people should take away from the work of Robert Townsend? Um, expand and explore. Mm. It would. I think that the easy road would have been for Robert Townsend to just do the same thing over and over and over again because it works. Uh-huh. But he he always wanted to expand and push himself. Uh-huh. And that is the biggest thing, I think, for anybody is to, if you get too worried, you know, and that's the irony of being in this industry. If you get too worried about what the industry wants you to be. Yes. And not, and you don't worry enough about who it is that you want to present yourself as uh-huh. and what kind of work you want to put out there. It's easy to get caught in a trap. You're always yes. going to be playing catch up. You're always going to be trying to be the thing that's popular in the moment. And instead of getting to, um, you know, getting to a place where you're comfortable with yourself and, and able to, you know, examine things that actually interest you in your work. And I think that that is the biggest thing to take away from Robert Townsend is like, you know, fuck the rules you know, be who you're going to be, make what you want to uh, make as long as it's good. And as long as it's something that is truthful to you and that you really connect with. That's that's the biggest inspiration. That's the biggest takeaway, I think. I want to thank my big brother, Baron Vaughn, for joining me on the show today. We explored how Robert Townsend was the nexus of Black Hollywood during the late 80s and 90s. We talked about how Robert Townsend utilized the same actors in multiple films by creating the Robert Townsend players. And we had a cute cameo from Barron's oldest son, Savion. I want to thank you guys for listening. Our creator and producer of the show is Judith Carbo. Our supervising producer is Rebecca Steinberg. Our music composer and supervisor is Brendan Solomon Lynch. Our audio engineer is Jessica Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Jason Smith. And I'm your host, Dulce Sloan. So join us next time on That Black Ass Show.
Scarpins Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.